reading from the 8th chapter of the Epistle to the Romans, beginning with verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin. He condemns sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit who dwells in you. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. A reading from the 13th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered it away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. And continuing with verse 18. Jesus says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. 
Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to remind you of some things that you've heard recently from the Apostle Paul. This one who witnessed Jesus during his conversion as he was headed to Damascus to persecute the church, the people of Christ. This one who had his heart and mind changed by Jesus. He wrote this in his letter to Romans in the fifth chapter. Hear this, please hear this. Just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. And dear ones, he's speaking of the obedience of Jesus that later he would say was even unto death. Death on a cross. To the most humiliating way that human beings have ever killed one another. And Jesus was obedient Till the end. That act leads to justification and life for all. And in chapter 6, he reminded us, listen to these words, please. Please hear this about your baptism. Do you not know that all of us, did you hear him say some of us? Anybody? Did he say the word all? All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were buried into his death. This death that Jesus went to out of his own righteousness, out of his own right relationship with God, this death that Jesus went to on a cross, you who are baptized into Christ were baptized into that death. Now I know there are sentimental churches out there that see baptism as just when we bring a little baby up front and we all go, ooh. But we bring that child to the font to die. To be incorporated into this death of Jesus that changes the world. And to be raised to new life. And how do you know that, preacher? Well, because Paul doesn't stop there. Listen to what he says. We were baptized into his death, therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death. Do you remember that the creed said that Jesus died and was buried? And in baptism, so we are buried. For what purpose, dear ones? For what reason is it that God would bring us to this font 
in our parents' arms or the preacher's arms or standing on our own or kneeling here or down at the river or the swimming pool, wherever it was where God got you wet, why would God bring you to die and be buried with Jesus? Oh, is good news coming. Are you ready for it? Listen to this. So that just, not unlike, in the same way, so that just, so that in the very same way, in the very same power, in the very same action, not in some derivative way or smaller way, but just, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. That, dear ones, is good news. Have you ever heard me say yet that if you can't be happy about Jesus, you just can't be happy? Have I said that to y'all yet? This is why. If you are a person who feels like the walking dead, if you believe that that show about zombies is a story of your life, this is what the Paul would say to you. You can be raised out of that crap. You don't have to struggle for the rest of your life in futility and hurt and hatred. You can have life. And so he went on in chapter 6 to tell us, look, you're going to be slave to something. You might as well be slave to life. The wages of sin is death, he said, but the gift of God is eternal life for all of us. Jesus himself said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I come that you might have what? Come on, church, that you might have what? Do you want life or you don't want to walk around dead? I want life. I want to feel alive every time something bad happens to me. I want to be saying, not in today, Satan. I got the joy of Jesus in my heart. But you know, sometimes it's harder than others. When we're struggling with our own sins, so Paul says, I know what that's like. You know the good you ought to do, but yet you keep choosing the wrong thing. And so you start to think, oh, there's condemnation for me. Because I'm not yet perfect. But did he not say that you were baptized into Jesus? Did he not say that your old self was put to death with Jesus? Did he not say that you've been raised to new life? Was that word not in the Bible I read to you? Well, how dare you say that you were dead? How dare you allow something in your life to hold you in death? Why would you allow some weird guilt you have about something in your past to poison this future God has for you? The people that received this letter were just like us. They had been baptized into Christ, but they were living in a world that is not... And they struggled with sin that remained in them. The same that we sometimes do. 
So Paul says, I know what is right, but I can't do it. I will to do what is right, but evil is at hand. To acknowledge the human condition that all of us are unable to wrestle ourselves out of sin and death and to remind us that what he said to us is you don't have to wrestle yourself out of sin and death. When you were baptized into Christ, you were made dead to sin. Sin is no longer your master but Christ. So commit yourself to serving Him and all of your members, your toes, your heads, knees, twinkles, toes. I wish I could remember that song. But you know, I live in the real world, as the atheists call it. (laughs) The real world is the one that Jesus is making new. Y'all hear me playing on that. The real world is the new creation. The church is the real world. The church is where life, as it should be, should be happening. The church has been raised up just like holy Israel to be a light to other people so that they can see that life is possible in this world, that we don't have to go around saturated with death and hate. So he says, remember... You were made dead to sin and raised to walk in newness of life. Or as he said in 2 Corinthians 5, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. One commentator wrote about this text. He said this about pastors. Five minutes in the office or in someone's living room reminds the pastor that many people feel condemned by God. They know they are sinners and they see no way out. I can attest to that. There are times when even people who feel deep faith in Jesus feel as if there's no way God will accept them. Because of something in their past that they can't shake, or maybe even something in their present. They see no way out of the death that Paul says is the wages of whatever sin they committed that haunts them every day and every night. And condemnation is abundant death. The death of the grave and the second death of hell. The second death of eternal separation from God. But as I've heard someone say before, God knows the way out of the grave. And as Jesus said, I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you will live also. So what do we need to hear? What do any of us who've ever felt that moment when we just say, well, I'm just a sinner after all and Jesus hasn't done me any good. I'm not changed. I'm not transformed. Why in the world would I think that? I called somebody stupid yesterday at dinner with other people. And I felt bad about it last night. Samantha said, you shouldn't feel bad about it. He is stupid. And I said, that's not fair. (laughs) I felt bad about it because I had assaulted him whether he was there or not. Am I right? I feel that. 
I wasn't loving him as Christ loved him. I wasn't loving him with the heart of God. I was seeing him through my own eyes. I was being self-deceived, self-determined. I was living in my sinful flesh, living in my sinful desires, living in my dislike for another person. Y'all do know it's possible for the pastor not to like people too, right? It doesn't just happen that sometimes people don't like the pastor. (laughs) But what am I called to? I'm called to live in my baptism, to remember that I was brought to the well of Christ and that I drowned in that well, that my parents brought me to die and to be raised into new life in Christ. And because of that, there is no condemnation for me. Did you hear what Paul said? If you are a person who finds yourself daily or monthly or weekly thinking about something that you did in your past before you knew Christ or even something that you did in your present after you knew Christ and you were convinced that you were condemned and that there's nothing but hell for you, Paul says if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation for you, not even a little bit. Now, he's not saying I won't be judged. I will be judged. But I will be judged by this Jesus who died for me. And the verdict that I deserve is guilt, and I will get it. But then I will be reminded that Jesus has taken my guilt on himself. And there is no condemnation for me. And that, dear ones, is why I tell you, if you can't be excited about Jesus, you might as well just give up trying to be excited. Have you ever in your entire life felt yourself awash in condemnation and this morbid sense that death was all you deserved? And that there's no reason for there to be hope for you? Then Paul's sentence in Romans 8 is for you. And I wish you could see it in the Greek because in the Greek, the first word in that sentence is none. No, there is no condemnation. None, not even a little bit. There won't be a little bit of depart from me. I never knew you. But there will be welcome for those who are in Christ. Now, some people want that sentence to say there will be no condemnation for anybody, but it doesn't, does it? You know, I would love to be that kind of preacher who could just tell everybody everything's okay, nothing's going to happen wrong, there's no judgment, no condemnation, but that's a fool's errand because the book says otherwise. And this is the only book I got. And it tells me That there is no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ. Now that would prompt me to say, well, preacher, how do I know if I'm in Christ or not? (laughs) What about y'all? You think so? If someone said to you, if you drive down to Jones's supermarket, they're handing out free ribs all day long, you're going to want to know who Jones is, aren't you? If someone says to you that there's no condemnation in Christ, 
then we want to know what it looks like to be in Christ, don't we? Well, from Paul's argument thus far, it would seem that number one, it means you've been baptized into Jesus. Which means that baptism isn't just some smarmy little rite of passage. It means something in the church. It has power beyond your ability to think of it or approve of it. You might say, yeah, but baptism don't save us. Well, according to the Bible, it does. Peter says baptism doth save you. Because you enter into Christ through it. And it's in Christ that we are beyond condemnation because we're in Christ. And Christ can't be condemned because He's the one who is righteous beyond fault. As some poet once said, I have hidden myself away in Jesus. That was me, by the way. Have you been baptized? Then Martin Luther would say to you, remember it daily. When you wash your face, say to yourself, I am baptized. When you wash your hands, remember the water that cleanses you. Remember the water that you drowned in and were raised to new life through. Remember the Holy Spirit who made that bath to be a life-changing, life-giving experience for you. Remember your baptism, the church says. Not because we're goofy, but because it's the gospel. If you are baptized into Christ, you are beyond condemnation. And Paul would couple that with faith. If we're depending on Christ to save us and not our good actions, if we're depending on Christ to save us and not the law, then we become people who keep the law in the spirit of Ezekiel, where he said that our stone hearts have been changed to soft hearts that love the Lord. In the spirit of Jeremiah, who said that in the day of the new covenant, God would write God's law on our hearts and enable us to keep it through the Messiah through the new covenant. And Jesus says, I am the new covenant. And when we enter into him, we enter into this new reality that I am not in myself, I am in Jesus. And if I have faith in Christ to save me, and I have been baptized, then I am in Christ. If you have Faith that Christ will save you from sin and death. And you have been baptized into Christ. Then you are in Christ. Y'all get the math? And dear ones, that means that there is no condemnation for us. Not even a little bit. Is that good news? Anybody want to give God a hand clap of praise for that news? Whatever hurt destroys your heart on a daily basis, whatever shadows draw your mind, whatever things creep into your mind as you lay your head on the pillow at night, those things are defeated in Christ and there is no condemnation for you. So when you have those moments when Satan whispers in your ears and tries to convince you that you will be judged, that you will be cast into the eternal death, that you will not be loved by God, that you will be dismissed, that you are alone, whisper in your mouth to him, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, and I am in Christ.
And how does Paul say that we know we are in Christ? When our whole life isn't consumed with the desires of our sinful nature. What did he say? Those who chase after the things of the flesh are not in Christ, essentially. And a brilliant litmus he gives us is that those who chase after the things of the flesh have enmity, enmity toward God. They have hatred toward God. They are hostile to God. Are you hostile to God, dear ones? Then perhaps you truly are in Christ. Which means there's not even a little bit of condemnation for you. Now having heard that, if you feel like you are hostile to God, if you feel as if your life is controlled, by sinful desires and the sinful nature. Will you cry out to him for help? Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen.